NFT. NFT. NFTs. NFTs. Non-fungible tokens or NFTs are exploding in popularity. This is Zen Chats. I am Zeneca. Let's talk NFTs. Hey everyone. This episode was originally recorded for my YouTube show. So just dropping a quick note to let you know that we at times might be discussing content that we're sharing on screen. And I know that that is not ideal for a podcast listener, but we recorded the videos first and then decided to turn into a podcast. So that's the situation. If you want to follow along, we will have a link to the full video in the show notes. And moving forward, I will try to avoid too much screen sharing content just for the podcast listeners. All right. Hope you enjoy nonetheless. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Zen Chats. Uh, Today, we are speaking, or I'm speaking with the uh, team from Podium, a really fascinating web free platform that is seeking to empower content creators in a really interesting, innovative, new way. Uh, and really allowing creators at every level that you know maybe don't have hundreds of thousands of followers to monetize their content and and have fans and supporters uh, share in the upside if that content creator sort of takes off and to support them and help them in uh, again just an interesting different way using Web three blockchain models that you know is not possible without the power of Web three. So you know we're going to jump into it, uh, get straight to it, and I hope you enjoy. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Zen Chats. I'm here with uh, the team from Podium. Podium is it's, it's a platform for content creators to uh, like monetize their ad space. Is that, is that an accurate representation? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's exactly what it is. It's a launchpad for content creators. Uh, one of the biggest issues content creators face today is like liquidity crunch, especially when they're starting out. And the entire mission behind Podium is to try and solve that problem. I love it. I think there's, there's a lot to dig into with Podium. But before we get into that, um, if you could maybe intro yourself. So uh, for those listening, I'm here with uh, Chet, Daniel, and Bilal. Bilal? Oh, crap. Bilal. Is that it? <laughs> Bilal. Bilal. Yeah, Bilal. I'm so sorry. Um, Chet, yeah. maybe if you, you begin. No, happy to. Yeah. So here, Rob, Chet here. Uh, I'm from India originally. I live in America right now. Um, I'm, I studied finance and data science at USC, and I'm currently the VP of product at a startup out of Y Combinator, and I'm about to hand in my resignation in the next couple of days to work full-time on Podium. That is so exciting. <laughs> uh, and Bilal. Yeah. yeah, so born and raised in Jordan. I went to school in the States, and I studied computer science at Yale. That's where I met uh, Daniel, actually. I've been pretty much working in the AI machine learning space uh, since so a couple of startups, uh, strategic operations, product work, and so on. And as of about three weeks ago, um, I am full-time on, on Podium. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm noticing a trend here. Daniel, are you going full-time? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I have two weeks left of my uh, current job uh, and then jumping at first into the project. But... Um, just, I guess, as a background, um, I, I'm based in London. Uh, met below at Yale. Um, I studied econ at Yale. Um, had a failed startup while I was there, actually, which was, uh, was sort of uh, trying to find a new way to mass fundraise for nonprofits, uh, slightly quirky way. 
uh, it failed, but it was very good against to take with me and to actually sort of uh, analyze it over and over and to understand what went wrong. That's definitely going to be put to use with Podium. Um, and now I currently work in, um, in finance and in a hedge fund, and we uh, invest in emerging markets, but uh, that's done uh, in two weeks. <laughs> You're leaving <laughs> for, for Podium, for Web3. Yeah, I love yep. it. Uh, so let's, where did the idea come from for Podium? Who had that? Um, let's go back like in the journey to yeah, from the genesis of the idea and then take us through that journey. Sure. Um, I guess I'll take that. And um, interestingly, it stemmed from my presence in, in my current job uh, in the finance industry. Um, I was in a meeting with an Indonesian yogurt company. Um, <laughs> As you are. And, uh, and they said something interesting, uh, and I sort of latched onto the idea. So they said that they were investing in advertising as opposed to, I guess, uh, expensing it. And, and obviously, advertising is just your common expense in the company. But I, I started thinking, like, how, how would you be able to invest in advertising? And the most obvious um, sort of solution that came to me was looking at uh, content creators and influencers that experience these incredible growth trajectories. So uh, an influencer can go viral overnight and the value proposition of that specific influencer or content creator to an advertiser changes drastically overnight. And so then I started thinking, I mean, how could you make this um, a proposition that would be accessible to the mass market? How do you open this up to, to the world? Because we were having this chat um, with the guys when I first told them about the idea. And one of the most interesting concepts was that, and I think we all agreed on this, that talent recognition is an innate ability in all of us, or at least everyone considers themselves to be able to recognize talent. Um, and, and so that makes this platform kind of accessible to pretty much everyone um, who can watch content or uh, consume content. That's not limited to watch, mm. consume content. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and, and, when was this? Um, this was um, sort of the latter part of last year, right? I think like october Yeah, like October-ish. Yeah, so this is this was a while back, and I reached out to these guys. I mean, um, Bilal was getting into the space uh, quite quite drastically, <laughs> quite aggressively. Um, but but aside from that, I mean, he has incredible sort of back end experience. Uh, if he would tell you about that, and then and then C was an obvious choice because of his front end experience and sort of product development, um, and so. In the end, we put together this team and realized that we all have our strengths to take this project forward. And uh, uh, it's been quite sort of synergistic. And it's, been, it's been fun along the way, obviously. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're friends. <laughs> That's the best kind of like project when, when you're, you're friends with the people. It doesn't feel quite like work. So, all right. So in uh, like towards the end of last year, latter part of last year, you had this idea what what were your next steps? Like, how do you sort of envision this integrating with, say, NFTs or Web three technology? Yeah, I think we we thought about it a lot. So Chad and I have these Web two jobs, right? Or, or we did at the time. So the, the first <laughs> the first thought that comes to mind is maybe venture capital, see how that that would go, and try to raise a fund and do the tr- more traditional startup route. But as we developed the idea and, and really chatted about it and, and thought about it more. 
it really made sense with the philosophy of Web3 and, and kind of the spirit of Web3 of ownership back to creators um, rather than big tech being able to monetize more so than, than the rest. Um, from a technical implementation standpoint, NFTs just made a ton of sense, right? These are tradable uh, tokens or contracts that you execute on. Um, everything's on the blockchain, verifiable. Um, and it, it really just made sense to do an implementation in terms of NFTs. And then we thought about it a little further. We were like, how do we want to build this community? How do we want to go about developing this product? Um, and that's, that's really the beauty of, of NFTs, um, that you can build an incredible community around shared thoughts and, and common beliefs, essentially. Um, we can get content creators on board through the ambassador program that we can talk about in a little bit. Uh, we can get uh, people who will back those creators as well um, and who have that capacity and, and willingness to do that, essentially. So it, it, it made sense from a technical standpoint. It makes sense from a community building standpoint. And it made sense just overall in, in terms of product development. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, uh, just to add to that, you, you can't own what you say you own in Web 2 in the same stride as you can in Web 3. And the way in which we look at this platform from an evolutionary standpoint, if you take it as a comparison from Web 1, 2, and 3, is very much the concept of consuming content, consuming content and helping fund content, which is like your Patreon and your, you know, your, your uh, OnlyFans. And then there's a third, which is where you consume, you pay, but you also own. Uh, enables a far more intimate relationship between the content creator and the content consumer. And that actually is a symbiotic relationship for both parties. And it solves some of the biggest pain points for people that are up and coming. So for us, um, not only from like a technical standpoint, did it actually enable the ability for a platform to actually exist of this kind, it's also the logical and emotional next step for a platform in paradigm is the ability to, to own and share and, and collaborate together. Um, it, just, it just opens up data points from a product perspective that just never existed before. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned that it solves some of the pain points that you know, content creators have. What, what are some of those pain points? Um, sure. So, so the biggest one is upfront capital. Uh, you're a content creator with 100 followers and you know, you're, you're doing your job, you're, you're diligent, you're passionate, right? And you've got 100 people that truly, they see vision in you. They've got that, that, that energy that, that Daniel was describing earlier, something where you know, it's accessible. You, you appreciate what that person's doing. You relate to it. It's something you're passionate about and someone's doing exactly, like someone is discussing on the interweb exactly what your passions are. You believe in that person. Um, but they need funds to keep doing what they're doing, right? Either they're shuffling jobs or, or they're just not able to make ends meet. One thing that they can do is they can sign up on Podium. Uh, they can tokenize their ad space. Uh, one of these 100 people who believes in this person has the ability to, to invest in a portion of that ad space. That unlocks capital for the content creator. It enables a more intimate relationship between the person that relates to the content creator and themselves. And it allows the content creator to actually start producing content. As time rolls by, as they become more successful, uh, the value of this ad space goes up. Anyone who wants to advertise has the ability to advertise through rental of this ad space. That generates additional revenue for 
the content creator and the person, one of the first hundred fans. Um, every time someone new buys into the ad space, they're secondary sales, so that's passive income. So it's basically an additional revenue stream, but also unlocking it before it's priced in the mm. Yeah, and I, I would actually add something onto that. I mean, to the point of getting your fan base involved uh, in your own story, um, you're literally invigorating however small your fan base might be, but you're still invigorating to be on this journey with you. And essentially, they become your promoters. Yeah. There, there's no limit to what they will do potentially because they're in this boat with you. They have skin in the game. And so um, it's a very interesting paradigm that is being created. I, I think unlike anything we've seen. It's uh, a shared experience. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's also bringing your sort of supporters and especially early supporters on board with on the journey. Yeah. And I think just honestly, like being on YouTube, seeing those creators, that a lot of people that I'm like, this person, they've got the charisma, they've got the content, they've got what it takes to, to really make it, but they haven't been able to yet. Maybe it's mm. because of uh, they need some equipment that they can't quite, can't quite get at the moment or they're doing something else and they can't dedicate all their time to this. Um, but, well, they but that's, keep, yeah. Yeah. well, they need to keep on working yeah. part-time to exactly. put food on their table. Exactly. And this will give them some leeway for them to actually spend some time sort of delivering content. But that's, that's what's really exciting for me is it's something that I can see myself using um, and see other people benefiting from as well. Like, I'm already excited sometimes for a bit of that. I'm like, all right, this creator, this creator, this creator. <laughs> I've been doing this recently. I'm like, yep, I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. how, how does it work like logistically? So you're not, you're not creating the streaming platform yourself, right? You're, you're allowing people to invest in people who are releasing it on, say, YouTube or other platforms. Right. How, um, how does that so- work? Yeah. Right. So, so we're not we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here in terms of how content creation exists. Not yet, anyways. Um, <laughs> um, the idea is a marketplace which basically relies on some of these platforms. So, the, the logistics is essentially we need to build pretty robust APIs that, that allow us to validate content creators and make sure that they are who they say are on these social networks. That's pretty easy to do with some of the modern APIs that are out there today. Once that's done, it's Pretty basic. Uh, we're allowing them to create tokens, right? These tokens have specific parameters on them, and then they get put onto a marketplace, very much like any other marketplace out there where you browse through a certain type of product. It only turns out on this marketplace, the only product is ad spaces from different content creators. Um, once that part has been accomplished, uh, people that are in the community that decide to browse through this marketplace have the ability to enter and view ad spaces that they find interesting. Obviously, there will be external metadata that allows and helps provide insight into whether this is valid, followers. So we, we've got all the metrics around to try and help you make a reasonable decision. But at the end of the day, this is very much a marketplace. Um, once you do that, uh, and once you decide you do want to you know, back a specific content creator through their ad space, um, and if the content creator's terms are agreeable to you as a person, of, as a member of the community, uh, buying in essentially fractionalizes that ad, that, that ad space into its proportional amount. Uh, every time someone additionally backs in, that gets fractionalized further and further until obviously it's no longer possible or it's no longer something that anyone's doing. Uh, and when an advertiser wants to advertise, they come onto the marketplace much like a community member instead of deciding to invest in or rent out the ad space to actually do an advertisement, 
um, they just go through the same flow to basically request an attitude. Yeah, and then and they engage in talks with the content creator. That that opens up an entire dialogue. So that's going to be a huge chunk of the platform. Is going to be enabling the process between an advertiser engaging a content creator all the way through to the execution of the advertisement. Another really big part of the platform is going to be things like dispute resolution to make sure that all parties mm. are satisfied to the process. So, so in all honesty, the part that most people are going to actually interface with is the simplest part of the platform. The part that's going to get very intricate, but at the same time, we've, we've scoped it out, is the ability to effectively manage the expectations of advertisers and content creators such that both parties are getting what they want in an efficient manner mm. and in a happy manner. The idea is for this to enable you know, good business. Yeah, and I think the, the only thing that I would add to this is the, the parameters that I was talking about would be things like which platform, um, how long the advertisement would run for, uh, where in, in the video or in the content. You sort of touched on it there in terms of like the dispute resolution. But so, yeah, I mean, one of the things that comes to mind is so you buy some ad space and then the content creator goes on and how do you ensure that you know when they sell ad space, it's through your platform and to the people who have bought it and not just say they just cut some other deal with someone else to release ads? I, I think um, there's a sort of a two-part answer to that. Um, the first like fundamental sort of element of tackling that issue would be um, ensuring that the contracts themselves um, are legally valid. Mm. Uh, and this is sort of a new terrain for the space. Um, there's still a lot of things happening in terms of smart contracts actually being, being legally binding. Um, and, um, but we, want to, we genuinely want to take this idea all the way. Uh, we've been having conversations with lawyers, um, encouraging. I, I, like, we still, we're still having these conversations, yeah. but I, I'm very, very optimistic that we will be able to actually implement um, a legal contract mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a binding sort of mechanism. If if that doesn't happen, which um, I mean everything is possible, mm. the the core sort of group of users, especially ones that are sort of looking at a specific content creator's ad space, they are that content creator's fans, right? Um, and so there is some level of reputation mm. to be upheld within your fan base, and you don't want to disappoint the guys that the guys or girls that have tried to try to support you, you know, uh, in your early stages of development, and then you go and, and sort of uh, don't reward you for it. So there's, there's also the second layer um, that is yeah. reputationally upheld. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's like a little element of trust, right? You, if you're buying the ad space of a content creator, because you believe that they'll produce good content, presumably you're a good human and will uphold their end of the deal and all that kind of stuff. And there's also a little yeah. bit of risk involved with that as, as there is with everything in in this space and in life. And there's the legal contracts as a fallback as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like a legal requirement. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to to like summarize it, the way in which I see this kind of playing out is we are in touch with lawyers for two things. One is embedding actual legal contracts onto each token, right? That's going to be there. Two is trying to figure out how we can make the contract a contract. (laughs) So that's what we're working on now. And then three is what Daniel said, which I actually think will be the biggest, uh, let's call it, factor in dissuading any bad actors in such a platform. Look, at the end of the day, this is a marketplace. 
exists. So we can do is build parameters to prevent such things, but bad actors exist everywhere and this will happen. Mm. Um, when it does happen, we'll have flags on the system. So we already have processes for how we're going to scrape to figure out if that happens. Uh, like, like Daniel said, people that are, you know, percentage owners of said ad space will be very acutely aware the minute there's an advertisement that they haven't received revenue from mm. <laughs> when it's on the platform. So, so there is, there is, it's one of those things where you can do wrong, but you will be flagged and you will, you know, there are repercussions for doing yeah. it. So the idea dissuades you from doing it. And you can't really advertise in secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Defeats the purpose of it, huh? <laughs> Sub, subliminal advertising just gets people in their dreams. Yep. I joke, but maybe one day we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I, too. I remember the as a future armor episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, where is the project now? Like, where, where is the platform in terms of its developmental cycle? You had the idea late last year, and now we're in uh, getting towards the end of March. Jesus, year flew. But <laughs> where is the platform? Can can creators use it yet, or or how is it? Yeah, so not not quite yet. The platform is under development, and what I'm I'm focused on a lot now, and we do want to talk about this a little bit actually, is the Genesis NFT collection. Mm. Uh, so we're we're doing this Genesis NFT collection for Podium in parallel to to the platform development, and the idea is the Genesis will help us build that community of content creators, uh, raise awareness about the platform that we're currently developing. And get us a user base of creators and people who want to back creators for when it's ready. Um, so that's that's kind of those those two parallel streams that we're working on. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, just to give you some context, I know we introduced ourselves, but maybe we should also just quickly talk about what we're doing within this space. Um, like Bilal said, he's yeah. been entirely focused on building out the community, the Genesis NFC. Outreach, uh, outreach. To content creators, advertisers, um, the people that will like back those creators yeah. as well, um, and really building that community around there. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, just user research at its at its most uh, intimate level. Um, in, Daniel in our Discord actually. Sorry, before you continue. No, <laughs> so in our Discord, it's quite small at this point. It's about eighteen hundred people. Uh, but since you mentioned at its uh, at its core, I've, <laughs> I'm in the process of individually reaching out to every single member in, in that Discord. Um, I'm I at 500, so, and I'm limited to 500 because that's what <laughs> Discord has in terms of channels, and I don't want to use DMs. So I got to then go delete those 500 channels, make 500 new ones, get the next batch, and, and the next batch. I wrote a script to create the channels and I still have to talk to people. That's amazing. So, yeah, so, so the Blau's been focused on the community. Daniel's been focused on tokenomics, mm. getting that right, because that is going to be the core stabilizer of the platform. Platforms, if we don't have a stable token, it's actually supported. Um, and then on the third side of things is me, and I've been primarily working on product development, product scoping, and then speaking to lawyers. So we've been chatting with lawyers you know, a couple of hours a day, every single day, to wow. just figure out what the nuances are. Uh, this is very much the wild west <laughs> of, of where things are going. We're trying to follow public policy. We're talking to law firms about um, where they expect things to go. We're looking at expected values of certain outcomes to try and figure out what the most uh, appropriate approach is going to be. We were very much of the opinion um, that, when, like, that Web3 is the future, 
But for all the world to kind of step into the future, usually there's an arm sticking out from the future into the past saying, you know, join us. Mm. And that's usually, usually, especially in the world of, you know, the internet, is really easy user experience. And that's something that's thoroughly lacking in this space right now. Um, and that's due to very high barriers to entry. There's high technical barriers to entry. There is a concept of a wallet. There is a concept of, you know, using a DEX to basically swap into smaller tokens and then to be able to use that. And, and then how do you, <laughs> where is this money going? How do I make this money real money? I want to buy food today. There's, um, there's also the jargon as well that's in the space. Then there is like there's a lot of barriers there. Yeah, and, and, and we want to build this platform, but we want to build it so that my grandmother theoretically could use it. Um, I know that's not really going to happen, but maybe, you know, someone slightly well, younger. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes total sense. I think, um, yeah, the barrier to entry is just so high right now. And I had someone ask me the other day, uh, what are like one or two questions that you know every beginner asks you? Just like the, the most default like go to questions. And I sat for like five hundred seconds and I was like, there really isn't. There's like fifty because you know if, if, there, if there was like two three questions, the space would yeah. be easy. You just put up a website, answer these three questions. Everyone understands. It was like there's so many different things in different areas, and it's just like it's very difficult to wrap your head around. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we need to improve the user experience 100% to, before we get to mainstream adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, go we're, on. We're going to bridge the gap there. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think anything yeah. that anyone can do to, to bridge that gap is uh, it's serving a much needed thing in the space. Like it, It's just needed. In terms of uh, your Genesis NFTs, what... Uh, how many are, are going to be dropped? When are they going to be dropped? What's the price? Yeah, what are all the logistics around those? Yeah, so it's going to be dropped in Q2. We haven't announced the collection size yet. We'd rather announce that to our community first uh, before mm-hmm. we do it publicly. We will let you know um, as a close second. <laughs> uh, the, the artwork has been revealed, though. Uh, we can talk about that in a second. Yeah. I guess in terms of, of utility for the NFT itself, Essentially, on, on the platform uh, that the chat was talking about and, and Dan as well, all the purchases, sales, and rentals of those slots will be done using the native token pod, the, the tokenomics that, that Dan is working towards. And the Genesis holders through staking will be able to earn pod. Mm. So they can back creators using that pod that they earned from the Genesis collection. Um, if they don't back, back just one or two or three creators and they kind of want to diversify that, they can access the podium DAO, um, where we group a bunch of, or the DAO, the members of the DAO decide which creators they want to back and, and whose growth they want to invest in, essentially. Um, and Genesis holders can can uh, participate in that. The third one is is this community aspect that I think is uh, something that I'm really excited about. Maybe because I've been really close to it, but having these these content creators talk to each other, share their experiences, right? It's it's part of what we're trying to do. Um, uh, we have a, like a content creator series every Thursday where we have creators come and talk about their experience. People ask them questions uh, to really help up and coming content creators until the platform is, is fully ready. Um, so even share experience about like how they've advertised, how they do a specific task, um, having that connection with their audiences and their plan base as well um, it is something really cool. 
And then that last piece with the Genesis NFTs, the exclusive access, so early access to the platform, um, priority support, things like that. And one thing that I'm also uh, really excited about is the data tooling that will be available for the Genesis holders. So if you kind of draw the parallel to, to the NFT world, uh, I'm sure you know there's a lot of tools that give you specific tracking on mm. volumes, on collections, and whales, and so on and so forth. Alpha. So our yeah, alpha. Yeah. <laughs> so our our Genesis holders will be able to access a set of data and tools essentially that will give them a lot of information on specific creators and, and metrics to be able to, if not take that more, I believe in this creator approach and a more data centered. Uh, view of it, they can do that using those tools as well. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Honestly, the part about the community that got me thinking because you know I, I create content. And I was like, I would love to be part of a community like that and just talk to other content creators because I, I don't really do that. And I'm sure that there's like a wealth of knowledge and information that I could gain by being part of that kind of a community, especially for like you know up and coming content creators who are just newish to the space. There's so much to learn. Um, like any new domain. Um, yeah, that, that all sounds really, really cool. You touched on... One, no, go on. I'm sorry. I was just going to say one cool thing that we saw happen, for example, on our on our episode last week is... So we've got these episodes hosted by Laura Lord. He's an incredibly talented uh, podcaster, essentially, and he helps us host the spaces. Um, he once actually did a 24-hour marathon to, to raise uh, funds for, for a good cause. So we were interviewing Scar, who's uh, in the music industry... And then they just kind of hit it off and, and they're going to meet IRL now. And I like to think that it's thanks to Podium and they, they <laughs> chatted, awesome. talked about the best, the best cheesecakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cheesecakes, essentially. Yeah. Um, so you really do get that aspect of community and, and not just the collabs that you can do with other creators uh, that would be really cool, but just what you were talking about. So we, we saw that happen already, which is and what yeah. we're trying to do with that creator series. And I'm... Um, uh, I keep saying excited, but I am really excited to see how this develops even further. And I I do think we want to take this forward into the platform itself. So this element of community will manifest itself in the platform. Um, And we won't reveal too many details because they're being ironed out, but um, the holders of an ad space will have exclusive access Mm. to a creator um, in one shape, one way uh, or another. So. be it via chat, be it via something else, they will be able to sort of interact. And so if there are up-and-coming content creators that are buying into an ad space, they might get access or some good bits of advice to take them further on the journey. So the, the sort of uh, benefits are not constrained by just the material stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, right. I think I interrupted you when you had a... No, no, this is all great. Um, I was going to take it into another direction. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to bring up or re-bring up, you mentioned POD, the, the native token, uh, and the tokenomics of how you, know, you can stake the, the Genesis NFTs to generate POD. Uh, can we go into the tokenomics a little bit more? Uh, Daniel, maybe I think you, you're in charge sure. of that side of things, yeah. Sure. I mean, there, there's pretty much, there's not that much that we've announced to, to the community, unfortunately. So I, I'm... Probably not allowed to say too much, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, how about how about the DAO? Well, or, or what, what can you say? Yeah, you can say something that relates to the Genesis NFT holders, how, how they will benefit. So um, the staking process will be retroactive. So once the pod token is launched, 
they will be getting that right. uh, for the entirety of the period that they help the uh, Genesis NFT for. So there is that benefit, direct benefit, once we launch. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And then, okay, so you mentioned also a DAO that, that you're, it, yeah, can you, how much can you talk about the DAO? Is that going to make up of like Genesis holders or pod owners, or like the token holders? Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be the, the Genesis holders. And essentially they can stake their pod uh, and, and all that collected pod or pod will be used to back creators of the, of who are chosen by, by the DAO essentially. And then any rentals or sales of those ad spaces, the proceeds will go back to uh, the members of the DAO and be distributed proportionately. So essentially, it's a way to be able to back more creators since you've got a larger pool of pod. Um, so it's more diversified for the individual member of, of the DAO, but it also helps uh, provide liquidity to a larger group of, of creators as well. I think one, one more thing I can add on the tokenomics on this one, <laughs> actually... <laughs> Excellent. That the the native uh, platform token it will also double down as the governance token for the podium DAO only in the context of the podium DAO, um, and so essentially the access is granted by you holding the Genesis NFT, but your proportional representation is essentially determined by the the pod that you put into the DAO. Nice. Very cool. Uh... All right, let's let's go back to the the Genesis NFTs. You mentioned uh, the artwork is uh, being done, or uh, yeah, what's the art going to look like? What can we know about that? Yeah, we've we've got the concept art out. It's on Twitter. It's in the Discord as well. I think maybe check and yeah. chat a little bit. So, about so that. I've been pretty much working on the art as well. Uh, so we've got two fantastic artists, uh, and we. So initially, projects of this nature, generally speaking, don't have art. They're passes because yeah. they're they're pretty much utility blips. Um, we realize, or rather than realize, we we yeah, like we like good art. We, we I think we we had we we had a we had a say in the space. I've been dabbling in NFTs for quite a while, so it's lol. We've seen what we like. We had an idea of what kind of gauges us, and so we realized this is our one chance. There it is. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, we realized that this was a chance because once the Genesis NFT is done, like it, it, it's gun blazing development. And this is a chance for us to kind of express ourselves in some way. Um, and to do that, we, we essentially decided to kind of go back to the, the mission statement of Podium and try and see what that resembles and how that might manifest itself in terms of some kind of profile picture artwork. And the one thing that kind of came to me was if we're going to be a launchpad for content creators, then who is a content creator? And a content creator is someone that, you know, they've got their life, right? And sometimes the content they push out is an extension of who they are, but sometimes it's not. And I think the underlying concept is you can be whoever you want, right? You can be a race car driver. You can be someone that comments on fishing competitions. Not that I've ever heard of that before. (laughs) I'm Um, sure it exists. I'm sure. I don't know where that came from, but the idea is you can do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so we, we, we spoke to them, and honestly, all credit goes to the artists. We sat with them, we explained the mission, we explained our ideals, we kind of talked with them. We're very close to them, so they have a good understanding of visual aesthetic. And they came up with this a concept of a paper bag or something that covers your head, which is just like, you know, put on the mask, put on the covering, and be who you want to be, get onto the podium, and say what you have to say. And that's 
that's where the inspiration kind of drives from. In terms of where we are, we're very much still churning out assets. We meet with them several times a day as well, as you can imagine. We're talking about things we like, things we don't like. You'll see there's a shadow introduced in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's very minute, <laughs> but it was the topic of the <laughs> So we're, we're trying to make this pretty. I, I, I know that there's utility behind the project and I'm, 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 I'm hoping that people can also appreciate it. I don't think we need to go with the past when we can provide people with visual pleasure at the same time. And that's the, that's the real, that's the real answer to why we have art. There, there, there is, there are, there are, drawbacks to what we've done as well, which is sometimes people who don't have a chance to read into the project will think we're just a PFP mm. project. Um, that, that's and, where Bio says, not your typical PFP project. And, yeah. and, <laughs> and, and, and we're dealing with that from an engagement perspective because we want people to know that like, this is both. Mm. <laughs> um, we, we want, we're trying to build a product, but we want you to have fun and have visual pleasure along the way. We want to stimulate you in the right senses. And that came off really weird. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs> um, but but yeah, that, that's kind of that's that's all we have to say on the art. <laughs> if you take nothing away from this, <laughs> it's going to stimulate you in the uh, right senses. No, that's I, I love that. I love that you um, decided. You know, you wanted to do art. You know, because there's so much power to art, and it can. Uh, portray and represent so much more than just a generic membership pass. And I think, uh, yeah, you've clearly yeah. put a ton of thought into it and it, it looks great, honestly, from, from the sneak peeks and the previews. And I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a great route to take. Yeah. Uh, funny story. So if you'll, and you don't have to put it up on, on screen, but the PFP that we have for the podium page is one that Chet really liked. Um, <laughs> but I really wanted to show people because I also really like it. <laughs> uh, so I, I had to fight him to to allow me to use it as the, as the podium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we had a little dispute on that one. <laughs> it's great. It's uh, it's like a little alien space. Like I mean, to me, it seems like an alien because of the eyes. But yeah, yeah, it, it could be. It could be open to interpretation. Open to interpretation. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, I'm really, really glad you like it. Uh, we've been debating whether, you know, feedback for it has been positive or negative, but I think it's overall, it's been quite good. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really exciting. Uh, so yeah, what, um, what else is in the works? It sounds like you've got, I mean, it sounds like you've got a lot. You've got the, the DAO, you've got the token, you've got the platform. Uh, are you sort of working with creators at the moment or are you going to wait to, let, to onboard them later down the line? Yeah, so right now the work we're doing with creators is this ambassador program that we have. Uh, and, and the idea is to help raise awareness about the platform, but also have that communication with creators and, and check in with them and, and make sure that um, they, they understand what we're trying to do so they can really help us spread the, the message. So we've got really talented people like Dope Oxide, Non-Fungies, um, Crypto Gorilla, Lore Lord. Um, and, and a lot of other just people that, that create this wonderful content that's out there, whether it's on YouTube or, or some other platform. Um, so that's that's some of the, the outreach that we're doing. We're also doing outreach in the gaming space for Twitch streamers and other uh, really talented content creators. Uh, podcasters. Podcasters mm. as well. 
editions. Um, so we're, we're trying to vary as much as we can uh, in terms of ambassadors and outreach who we talk to in terms of content creators. And right now we're looking at like larger folks that are able to really help us uh, put the platform in front of as many people as we can. But in the Discord, we also have this fun role as well for anyone who's a content creator. You don't need to have, there's no minimum amount of subscribers or mm. followers that you have. You just need to be able to prove that whatever account is yours. And, and we, today, I mean, someone had, I think, 1.5 million subscribers on some platform. Uh, another person had 50, right? And then you enable them to, to chat with each other and share their experiences and, and help each other there. Uh, so there's that like macro level uh, outreach and the more micro one now and then down the line, obviously, um, a more persistent uh, communication and outreach to to other creators in the space. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's it. Right. The idea is we have a mission, right. Or we have ambitions to satisfy certain we have virtues let's put it that way. And, and the idea is to try and satisfy those virtues at every stage of development. And I think that's the main reason we took the NFT space as our way to bootstrap the development for this product is the ability for, for, for us, it's the ability to actually understand very well who our community is so that when we build this product, it's aligned as closely as it can be towards their interests and their needs rather than what we think they are. Mm. Um, Two is along the way we're 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 enabling certain communications of this kind to happen without the actual existence of the platform at this point in time, which is also in some ways trying to help content creators. And then, uh, yeah, so so for us it's just been due diligence, outreach, and build. And, and I know that like if you look at a venture capital model, usually <laughs> you need a ton of due diligence in place. You need a deck. Right, you need to have conversations. You need your market research. You need to have everything together. And one thing I've seen in the space is that people don't always have that. They'll raise the money and then they'll try and ascertain the validity of whatever it is they're trying to do once they've raised the capital. To me, that's a misallocation of resources. That's asymmetric operation. Um, We're still almost thinking of it as like a, a VC we, yeah. in that we will need to have all of that stuff ready uh, by the time we're sort of offering some kind of Anything. participation in, in our yeah. project, right? Yeah. Um, so, so we're holding ourselves to that standard. And, and so even though it's not necessarily required in the conventional sense of like, let's say an NFT, NFT project's development timeline, we're holding ourselves to very specific and very different standards for what we want to have prepared before we agree internally whether or not the market's ready for it to move forward to the next step. Yeah, um, and, and also, honestly, how we hope the space will move future sure um, i've already seen a lot of this with different projects and how uh successes are, are changing uh so it's something that's really exciting that's going on in the space and we want to kind of uh continue doing that and lead that to the to the next phase yeah so so yeah there's a there's a lot going on over here and and we we just I, I i for one am thoroughly enjoying the process because we're able to speak to so many people we get to speak to people like yourself which is such a pleasure because it gives us unbelievable insight. Even if we're talking about people that make podcasts about, you know, fishing competitions, like that gives me insight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then that helps. That helps frame, um, in, in very weird ways, the way in which you design a nav bar, it helps you try and understand how people are thinking about the navigation. Where should what go? And that's a very minute but not irrelevant detail. Mm. But, you know, it, it just frames your context. Because I'm coming from enterprise SaaS. Um, 
<laughs> I build operating systems for internet service providers, right? That's where I'm coming from. It, it's skill sets, the same context is a world <laughs> apart. Um, AIML, which is, again, similar skill set, different yeah. planet in terms of how people are thinking. I'm just from a different planet. <laughs> <laughs> this is you. This is you, Daniel. Yeah. One thing I'll say, in case you haven't noticed, uh, Chad is a very user obsessed product developer. He can he can go on about product and understand it, and, and I, I absolutely love it. Um, it's so yeah, important. Yeah. It's it's in oh, the devil is in the details. It really is important to have those little things, which they're not. Uh, yeah, they're not irrelevant at all. I think they're really really important. And one thing I I wanted to add is just because Chad was talking about how this is not necessarily like our Ball game, like we are relatively new to the NFT space, right? I joined maybe back in August, um, so not not super super early. Um, and our experience comes in building like great products. That's that's what we do. That's what we've been doing. Um, and when it comes to the NFT space, I think it's important to rely on people that are smarter than we are, or have more context than we do um, in terms of how it operates uh, and very important details like that. And that's why we've got fantastic advisors on board, like Dots, who's the Kaiju Kings founder, who's been helping uh, guide us through a lot of these experiences as well and, and advising uh, in a very useful way. Yeah, I think like on, on my end, um, taking on the sort of task of uh, constructing the tokenomics, I mean, it was quite daunting as well. I do have a background in economics, but you know what? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of different. Uh, <laughs> really, it's kind of different. Kind of, but yeah. uh, honestly, like fascinating. Also, getting getting into it, and I had a, a very long period of just purely researching the space. I didn't just want to dive into it. Um, and and while we did want to maintain sort of like a first principles approach to building out the tokenomics, and not like copying and pasting existing models, but rather seeing what will fit best to, to our use case. Mm -hmm. um, you still need to have like an understanding of, of how things click. Um, and so I ended up being introduced to, to um, a, a brilliant guy uh, who, who runs essentially tokenomic simulations um, that I've been sort of, I've been maintaining an open dialogue with him. Uh, and so these, these little connections and all of these advisors that we have on, on multiple fronts, we, I'm also sort of trying to bring on board potentially, and uh, I'm not going to say the name right now, but uh, it's it's one of the top sort of academics, uh, well, econ economists in the world, but he's actually one of the authorities on, on crypto right now. Mm. Uh, sort of published all the main, like mainstream Bitcoin papers in, in like 16 or 17. Um, and, and so we are, we are leveraging this network of advisors and we keep on getting introduced to people. And I think this sort of aspect of the community that we're expanding on a daily basis has been sort of uh, propelling us forward. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that even our community managers and moderators are teaching us something every so day. Much. Oh, okay. so much. There are, there are <laughs> shout out day. to, to yeah. all our community managers and moderators um, on speed as well. Like, <laughs> the, the humor we're, we're working with 40 <laughs> people smarter than us, which yeah. is the best thing to be in because it's the only way is up. I find myself in a position where I'm like, I have this idea, I run it by them, they have ideas that they present to us. They, 
they're honestly brilliant. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Uh, on the tokenomics, what, what, was there any particular project or a couple of projects that you drew a lot of inspiration from, or is it really just a ton of different sources that can't really point to any? A, a ton, honestly, a ton of different sources because I, that just goes goes back to my point of saying we don't really want to copy and paste mm. something from the project because very likely that they copied and pasted yeah. themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then they copied and pasted to fit their use case. Uh, and so it's more so sort of identifying little elements, uh, little mechanisms, these uh, institutions being put to various different uses and seeing whether that can be adapted to fit our use case. Um, and sort of playing around with it, adapting it, seeing what works. But it, it's, I wouldn't want to call it sort of like a Frankenstein, but at the same time you do, I don't want to say that this is going to be sort of just entirely conceptualized and created mm-hmm. by us. Take inspiration. I, I think that yeah. applies to everything. It applies to art. Yeah. Like, it applies to most things in life. So absolutely. Um, there is a lot of inspiration going on. Nice. Yeah. So a question I like to ask everyone, and it, it can be tough, but it's like, where do you see uh, Podium in 10 years? Wow. Um, That's a great question. <laughs> so can I try? Yeah, yeah. Okay. we can all give our takes. Sweet. Um, look, so, so the context of our entire discussion today has been relevant to what we're trying to build within the next eight months. It is my fervent opinion that the ability to build on top of that is something where the opportunities are endless. And that happens with any marketplace, is that you build something for several types of stakeholders, and then you try and figure out how you can increase the quality of experience for each stakeholder by developing further in that niche. Um, One of the most obvious things is, will we be creating, you know, and you asked this kind of earlier on, which is, Will we be a website which or a platform which allows you to actually create content or will people be consuming content on your platform? I haven't done any, and I'm trying to be entirely transparent here, we have done zero research into whether that's feasible or not because that is a you know, gargantuan task. Yeah. Uh, that's something that can be analyzed. Uh, can we increase further the quality of collaboration between people that create content and people that consume content? Absolutely, yes. Uh, can we increase uh, engagement through data that we receive through engagement on our platform within an ad space? Absolutely, yes. And these are like one and a half year milestones. These aren't these aren't ten year milestones. Mm-hmm. Ten years from now, um, I don't see a reason why this isn't the one stop shop for any type of content creators like paradise you 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 log on to podium and everything you need to do whether it's consume content that that's directly relevant to you you create content that's directly relevant to the people that you're creating it for advertisers know exactly who they want to advertise for and they can find it with 99% engagement i mean these are all you know ridiculous numbers and i don't know if that's going to happen but that's the dream right is to increase the asymmetry in some of these processes as any industry gets more and more formalized and you see this from like, you know, if you look at the industrial revolution and how that kind of formalized certain logistical processes around, you know, hardware manufacturing, uh, the same thing goes with like increasing processes in the software world. And I think in advertising, there's a lot of asymmetry between the amount of money an advertiser spends and the amount of people that actually resonate with what's being advertised. And that's a huge asymmetry. If you look at 
advertising spend last year itself, the numbers are absolutely mind-boggling. Um, so trying to reduce that gap so that every person is receiving what they want to receive, not what's being thrown into their face. There are so many times at night, I'll talk into bed, I'll try and watch like a YouTube video, even if it's a podcast, and I see some nonsensical advertisement mm. about some, you know, like skin removal cream. And I, I, I don't want to. So, so I think a hundred percent is when, you know, like just a singularity, <laughs> you know, everything yeah. goes into a dot. Uh, that, that's, that's my answer. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, that, that all makes sense to me. I'm, I'm really excited about how it can happen and there's so many different <clears throat> possibilities, but honestly, I don't know because if, and the way I view it is if you ask someone 100 years ago, what technologies do you think we'll have in 100 years? I don't think anyone would really fathom. The large majority of people wouldn't have, have predicted what we have today. And that's kind of how I see Podium in 10 years. We don't know how it'll develop. And, and, and I think that's what Chet was saying. There's so many potential avenues for it. And I think that that's one of the really, really exciting parts of it for us is we know uh, right in this long term which is a few years what it's going to look like mm -hmm. but we don't know how it's going to develop afterwards and there's just so many opportunities and different arenas that we can tackle and explore that it's uh it's something that i'm really looking forward to mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean i i probably also don't have much concrete stuff in terms of <laughs> your forecast but i i like to imagine this uh podium as sort of a snowball um, but over time, you'll build up and this ecosystem mm. will expand based on different use cases that we're adding on. And we have so many of these discussions when we're, we're sort of like deliberating on platform functionality. We're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we added this? And, and we always have to be like, yes, but not. <laughs> yeah. Not. Add it to the list. <laughs> Add it to the list. Yeah. Me <laughs> cool. That's exciting. Um, yeah. I like it. It's going to yeah. be a, it's a snowball. Uh, where people will go to get their skin removal cream. <laughs> uh, all right, this um, has been so wonderful. Is, is there anything we haven't touched on that you want to go into? Not, not necessarily. I, I mean, I think that's that's good. good. We touched on the genesis. We touched on the, the product. I, we I touched on the art. One, one thing that I, I would explain or like clarify in terms of the platform functionality itself is that sort of the ads that we're targeting, um, they are the ones that are embedded within the content. And now, financially speaking, why we are targeting this is that a content creator will uh, end up getting 100% of those uh, advertising revenues if they directly agree with an advertiser upon like a certain mm. uh, ad stock and upon a price. When YouTube does their automated ad sort of processes uh, where it's a revenue sharing agreement, I mean, oftentimes it ends up being more than 50% being taken by YouTube. Mm -hmm. and, and that is the case with big tech. And that is kind of an overarching theme that Bilal mentioned earlier on. Um, that the big tech are these unbelievably powerful entities that just get too much freedom <clears throat> to take something from individuals, right? And in yeah. this case, content. And so one of our big goals as well is to target that specific area and allow creators or incentivize creators to actually do those embedded ads, take, take most of this money. Um, and, and so we're trying to facilitate a process where that is encouraged. So we're, we're providing incentives for creators to 
sort of uh, advertise in such a way. I love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think. Um, I mean, that's sort of like at the heart of what Web three is like: cutting out the middlemen, cutting out the the big tech people, and then bringing the power yes. back to the creators and the community members and the people. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, one I think interesting point is that we won't necessarily want to cut out the middleman in the advertising industry. Mm. Uh, I mean, we will invite ad agencies to to hop along, yeah. and and in a really interesting way, they can be the the market makers, the liquidity providers for the marketplace. And ultimately, they can build up their own inventories of uh, ad spaces, partnerships, partnerships, mm. and, and then offer them onto the client. So it's not necessarily cutting out the middleman in the existing industry. It's actually inviting them over and seeing if they can build some uh, something with what we're offering them. But it is cutting out the the technological middleman. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where uh, where can people find you? What's the best way if people are interested in learning more about Podium and, and what you're doing? Yeah, so on Twitter, we're at NFT Podium. We've got a website as well that's live. Uh, beautiful website that Chef worked on. It's uh, PodiumNFT.com. Um, so any of those, we're super responsive to DMs. Um, and then we'll open up the Discord every once in a while uh, for, for folks that want to wanna join there. We can, we can open it uh, when you push out the video for a bit if you want to coordinate that. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah. We'll post all those <laughs> links in the description below. And then, uh, yeah, we'll make sure that the Discord is open for a, for a period. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you all so much. This has been so, it's been fun, honestly. Just like it's been fun chatting about <laughs> NFTs and Podium <laughs> and skin removal cream and fishing <laughs> compositions. <laughs> yeah. I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank no, you thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Zen Chats with Zeneca. Please consider subscribing to the podcast so that you are notified of future episodes. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube channel for the video version of this episode. For even more podcasting fun, check out the other podcast I co-host, Two Board Apes. If you enjoy my content, please consider joining us at Zen Academy, a place where anyone, anywhere, at any level can learn about NFTs and Web3. All of the links are in the description below. I'll catch you next time.